fiery horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high old silver. The Lone Ranger. The Cisco Pit. The challenge of the Yukon. Hong King! Hong you husky! Have done. Will travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jason. The American West. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of guns. Welcome to the Old Time Radio Westerns. I'm your host, Andrew Rines, and today's episode is brought to you by Amazon.com. If you plan doing any online shopping first, go to otrwesterns.com slash Amazon to start your shopping experience today. And by our members. That's right, OTR Western members support the site in ways you can't imagine. Go to otrwesterns.com slash membership to go ahead and take a look and how to get a membership. Okay, let's get into today's episode. Today's episode is going to be Horizons West. That's right, that continuing saga of Lewis and Clark. Even though Clark's not in this one. Anyways, let's get into it. Today's episode is going to be Chapter 12. Uh, originally aired January 23rd. Originally aired January 30th, 1966. And the title is Lewis and the Blackfeet. Now, before we get started, we actually have a special person in the show today. His name's John Stevenson. Now you guys may be going, what's so special about him? Let me play this clip. Let's see if you can go ahead and place what show it came from and who's saying it. Fred Flintstone is going to have a baby. Do you know what that means? Well, if you haven't guessed it, that's right. That's none other than the voice of Mr. Slate. John Stevenson's actually a huge voice actor and has actually been on TV quite a bit. He's still with us, born in 19... 23 so he's about 87 years old so still with us one of the you know legends but just a couple guest starring rules he's been on the johnny carson's show bonanza perry mason beverly hillbillies gomer pyle f troop hogan's heroes the lone ranger uh it's just it's remarkable he's his voice has been he's in scooby-doo uh He's on almost all the Hanna-Barbera shows from way back when, you know, Wacky Racers. So definitely listen to his voice. Um, I would have played you a sound clip from the 1967 to 70s Dragnet TV series. He's actually the voice at the end that explains um, what happened to the perpetrator and stuff. So definitely, you know, take a listen and listen for that Mr. Slade voice. It is his voice, and it's great to see that. Old Time Radio Westerns actually has some, you know, basis on who played and what. So, let's get into today's episode. This is episode 12, by the way. So, next week's our last episode. And that's it. Let's get into it. Again, thanks for listening.
American West. Once it could have been the British, Spanish, or even the Russian West. It became American primarily because of the explorations of two young army officers, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. Their pioneering journey stands as one of the great achievements in the history of the United States. Captain Lewis, according to White Bear and the guides, we're miles into Blackfoot country. I ought to post guards tonight. You can put me down for the first watch, Sergeant Garrett. Yes, sir. Second watch, Goodrich. Third, Frazier. Fourth, Werner. Captain Lewis, I wish to make talk. Very well, White Bear. Sit down. Other guides afraid. Many black feet. Only three less first. But there hasn't been a sign of Blackfeet so far, White Bear. Blackfeet hate Nespers. For many years, war between us. Ahead is Hellsgate Canyon. Place of ambush many times in past. Trail filled with bones of Nespers. Then you want to go back home. You can't blame me for that. I speak for others. They go home. I stay. I lead you through place of much death. If you say. No, White Bear. You've been a brave man to come this far. Perhaps we can find our way from here. In the morning, you go. My friend, do not go into Canyon. The Blackfeet are not my enemies. They have no reason to harm me. Captain, Blackfeet, warrior people. Blackfeet, live to fight. In Hell's Gate, they kill you. Without a reason? They do not need reason. You, stranger, they warriors. White Bear, because you have been a true friend, I want you to have this token, this medal, with a picture of our great president, Thomas Jefferson. I am honored. My friend, I give you my name. From now to end of time, you are my other self. Thank you, White Bear. And my name is yours. Then we are truly brothers. Please, my brother, do not go into Hell's Gate. Come back to Nespers country. Someday, perhaps. But right now I must go on. It is my duty. I fear for you, my brother. Many black feet will come. You will die. <laughs> Horizons West, the continued story of the Lewis and Clark expedition. Now with Harry Bartell as Meriwether Lewis and John Anderson as William Clark, listen to Chapter 12, Lewis and the Blackfeet. July 5, 1806. Meriwether Lewis and nine men of the Lewis and Clark Corps of Discovery including the brothers Reuben and Joseph Fields, White Bear and the Nez Perce Guides, and the big Newfoundland dog Scannon, headed north and east toward the Great Falls of the Missouri River, today the site of the important Montana city of Great Falls. Here, Sergeant Gass and a detail would wait for Sergeant Ordway's party, floating down the Missouri, and help portage them around the falls, 
Lewis, three men, and Scannon would go north to explore the Marias River, then meet Sergeants Gass and Ordway, where the Marias joined the Missouri. Together, they would descend to the junction of the Yellowstone and Missouri Rivers, where Clark and the rest of the Corps would be waiting. It was a daring and dangerous plan, made because the captains were determined to take back to civilization adequate information about this Montana country. At Meridian the next day, we smoked a pipe with our Nez Perce guides. We supplied them with food and bade them farewell. Then we mounted our horses and rode toward the canyon called Hell's Gate. Over here, Drear. How does it look ahead? Uh, Captain, you're right ahead with me, if you will. Gas, keep the detail moving. Stay alert. Yes, sir. George and I rode at a trot along the well-used trail. About two miles of it, and George gestured at what seemed to be a recently vacated camp. We rode in, dismounted. Uh, this is it, sir. Blackfoot camp, huh? Blackfoot, or uh, their war allies, the Minotauris of the north. The fires have been concealed. Well, that one, where I dug down to the ashes, that is stone cold. Only war parties take the trouble to hide their fires. How old is this camp, you figure? I say two months. In two months, they could have made a sweep into the Flathead country and be riding back this way. We got to keep our eyes open, sir. Despite the ominous relics in the Hell's Gate, and despite a second more recently vacated camp we came upon two days later, no marauding Blackfeet appeared. With an easy trail, plenty of game, and good horses, we reached the Great Falls in a mere eight days. It was like a paradise. Grass was luxuriant and plentiful for the horses, and all around us were the undisturbed buffalo herds. Evidence that the Blackfeet were not in the area. I sent Sergeant Gass and Joe Fields to recover our canoes from the shallows where we had sunk them the year before. And Rube Fields and I opened the cache. Yep. This earth's heavy and wet. Let's hope we wrap things tight enough. Yeah, almost there. Yeah, I'm into it. Captain, it's in bad condition. Let's see. Yeah. Looks like the Missouri paid it a visit at flood time. Get the rest of the stuff out while I look at these papers. Yes, sir. Good news, Captain. The news are all right. Yeah, we could roll away in them right now if we had to. It's some kind of place. Mm, what a mess. What is it? Those medical supplies ruined? Oh, the box is tight enough, but the stopper came out of the laudanum. The ruined cache was a disappointment, but the night was pleasant. We fared sumptuously on a tender hump of buffalo. After the meal, I set the watches, worked about an hour on my notes, and then rolled up in my blanket. First thing in the morning, as a precautionary measure, I sent McNeil out to round up the horses for a count. He returned with only ten. I looked high and low, sir. I checked all the trails. Nothing but these ten. Sergeant Gass. Sergeant Gass reporting, sir. McNeil could only find ten horses. I want a more thorough search made. I think there should be some trace on it. Well, if it's engines, there ought to be signs. 
Gas came back in the middle of the afternoon without the missing horses, without evidence that they had been stolen. I decided to send out my two best scouts, Drew Yar and Joe Field. They failed to return to camp that evening, or the next day, or the day after. I got the truck carriages dug up for Portage, sir. What shape are they in? Well, I'll have to change them some so horses can pull them. Uh, speaking of horses, sir, George Drew Yar and my brother have been gone for more than two days. I... Well, I'd like to go looking for them. Let's wait the rest of the day, Rose. Yes, sir. Somehow, watching the men doggedly going about the renovation of canoes and portage gear, I thought of Sergeant Floyd, who had died during the early days of the journey from a malady we could not identify. We'd almost lost Bratton to another mysterious malady, but to this anxious moment we had lost no men to war or to the hazards of the wilderness. Perhaps it was too much to expect to return home without paying tribute to both. I sat down before the fire and glumly watched the cooking detail prepare our noontime meal. As if he sensed my depression and wanted to comfort me, Scannon came and dropped down beside me. He put his big head on my knees and gave me a look of deep compassion. I buried my fingers in his thick fur and thought of the two missing men. Lost men by this time. Two of the very best. Scannon, what is it, boy? Scannon loped away toward the edge of camp, and in a moment we saw what he had sensed ahead of us. Joe Fields and George Drew Yard. I'm mighty glad you're back. What did you find out? Well, sir, uh, Blackfeet stole the horses, all right. You saw them, found sign? We trailed them and the horses, clear to their first camp. Uh, we thought about trying to run them down, but there was only Joe and me against 15, 20 warriors. Sergeant Gass, I want all remaining horses hobbled. Put them under 24-hour guard. Yes, sir, right away, sir. I was greatly relieved and adjusted my thinking to the grim fact that we had only ten horses. These would have to provide motive power for pulling the baggage and canoe-laden trucks over the portage and carry me and my detail on our exploration of the Mariah's River. With me, I would take Drew Yar and the Fields brothers, four horses to ride and two for spares. The other four would stay with Sergeant Gass for the hard work of hauling our equipment overland. Then Thompson and Werner came in with more meat and reported McNeil, the third member of the hunting detail, missing. Finally, as night was closing in on us, McNeil appeared. He practically fell off his horse. Captain, I'm sorry. Why? Oh, you'll never believe it, sir. Try telling me. Well, I was down on the Portis Trail, and all of a sudden, a big grizzly about six feet tall reared up out of the thick brush. My horse shied, and he bucked me off and ran. Well, when I started to get up, this bear was standing over me, growling like, oh, get out. I jumped up, grabbed me a rifle, and whapped him over the head as hard as I could. Now, wait a minute, McNeil. I told you, sir. I said you wouldn't believe me. All right, go on. Well, I whapped him because I had no time to shoot. Anyhow, he staggered back, scratching his head, looking kind of amazed. And I made for the nearest tree. Man, let him finish. Let him finish. Let me tell you, sir, when he got over being dizzy, he was one mad grizzly. He sat down under the tree to wait for me. 
About five hours later, he got tired and went away, and it was late afternoon. Oh! Well, I saw my horse a couple of miles away, so I got down, I ran for it, and I rode for here. McNeil, you're right. I don't believe you. Sounds like a tall tale, sir, but will you look at his rifle? Barrel's broken off right above the breech, and fair hair is still sticking to it. Now, there's something that has to go into my journal. July 17, 1806. Druyard, the two Fields brothers, and I stood beside our horses, ready to leave for the unexplored Mariah's River country. We faced Gas and the other men who had shared our way of life for over two years. We knew we might never see them again. Ordway ought to be here in a few days. We'll make the portage and meet you at the Marias in the Missouri on August 5th. Good. You can feel free of hostiles for a few days at least because Rube and Joe scouted the Blackfoot raiding party and they're headed south. Good. Well, that means you'll miss them too. But if we should not reach the rendezvous by September 1st, you're to give us up and go on. Ready, George? Yes, sir. Rube, Joe? Yes. Yes, Captain. Let's go. We pushed into a semi-arid plains country to the north and camped on the banks of the Teton River. Here I made scientific observations, and in the morning we moved on to the Mariah. We followed it north and west for about a week, making observations as we went. The weather worsened, game became scarce, and George discovered that there were Indians in the vicinity. I had already determined that the Mariahs originated somewhere near latitude 50, so we decided to start back. I sent Druyard downriver to hunt, and the Fields brothers and I climbed the height to get a final panoramic look at the country. Oh, it sure is pretty from up here. Get down, Joe. Behind huh? the rocks. Where is it, Captain? See for yourself. Over there. Yeah. Scannon, come here. Indian horse. Put the glass on him. About 30 horses, I'd say. Half of them saddled. You might see our horses. Some braves are looking downriver. They probably sighted George. There's no way to warn him. No way at all. Uh, if we can get to our horses and charge him. That'll give George a chance to run. Not George. He'd come back to help, and we'd all end up getting killed. Well, the only way is a bold and friendly approach. We'll unfurl the flag and ride straight toward them. We moved quickly to our horses, mounted and rode toward the Indians with the stars and stripes waving above us. Our sudden appearance confused them. For a few moments, they milled about indecisively. Then they ran to their horses. Good half of those saddles are pack saddles. I count eight warriors. Yeah, if we can get George back, the odds will only be two to one. Then we'll have a chance. One of them hostiles is going to ride straight for us. Rain in. I'll get down. Show them we're friendly. I hope you're doing right, Captain. I hope you're doing right. Now they're all riding at us and riding hard. The eight Indians galloped steadily across the plain. They slowed to a trot as they neared us. I swung back into my saddle, called out to the men to make the peace sign. Then I moved ahead of the Fields brothers, shook hands with the first Indian, then greeted the other seven. We all dismounted. Quiet, Scout. I am Side Hill Calf, Big Blackfoot Pagan Chief. This Wolf Calf, Blackfoot War Leader. We come in peace. You smoke pipe with us? 
We smoke. Good. Other man downriver. He have pipe. You send man. Uh, bring him here so we can smoke. Wolf cop. You go. I was deeply worried. What if George mistook Wolfcalf for an enemy and shot him? Or what if Wolfcalf went for reinforcements? We stood around awkwardly, each group dubious of the other. After what seemed an eon of time, Wolfcalf and George Druyard galloped in together. This, uh, Wolfcalf, uh, he tells we are going to have a friendly smoke. I'm glad to see you, George. You better let me have the pipe. Yes, sir. We went through the pipe ceremony. With George's skill at the universal sign language, the situation grew easier almost immediately. Then we moved downriver and made common camp, where the Blackfeet set up a semicircular lodge of skins before our fire. We cooked buffalo meat for all. We ate together. Before the fire and under the stars, we began to talk. And I hoped George's sign language would be eloquent enough. We are part war party. Our tribe, half sun near. Half sun near? I don't understand. Uh, his uh, people are half a day's march from here. He and his seven men are part of a strong war party. Uh, tell him our story and how one of our goals is to establish peace between all the tribes and do away with all warfare between whites and Indians. I will try, Captain. I watched the Indians as George began using his hands. The Blackfeet, however, while obviously admiring his ability, seemed to distrust it, very much like an uneducated man distrusting the easy speech of the educated. Finally, George turned to me. They will not talk peace, only talk about how strong they are, how their neighbors fear them, and how still another Blackfoot tribe is near, not to mention the Minotaurus of the North. Let me try Sidehill Cap, great chief. Big white tribe downriver, many rifles. You come see, yes? We give you tobacco, horses, yes? We talk again. Next, sun. First, we sleep. Yes, my friend. We all sleep. Good night. I composed myself near the fire and Scannon lay beside me. Sleep took hold of my men and all of the Indians except Side Hill Calf. He was stretched out, feigning sleep. I wondered about his distrust of us. I looked at him again. Weariness had at last overcome him. He was asleep. The camp was peaceful. I was glad when Joe Field signaled that it was time for his watch. I drifted into an uneasy, nightmarish sleep. The noise of the fight awakened me. I jerked upright. Close by, Drew Yar was struggling to get his rifle away from a pair of the warriors, and he succeeded when the growling Scannon attacked one of them. Rube and Joe had closed with Sidehill Calf and another savage who had stolen their rifle. I reached for mine, found it missing, and leaped to my feet, pistol in hand. Give me that rifle! You die! Get him, Rube! Get him! As Rube Fields killed Sidehill Cap with his knife, I ran after the Indian who had my rifle. I caught him within 50 yards and, brandishing my pistol, forced him to drop it. 
Their weapons recovered, Rube and Joe charged in to help me. Let me kill him! Let him go! He could have killed me, and he didn't. Uh, you say so, sir. Where's George? Here! I'm here! No, George, let him go! For a moment, I I thought he was going to kill you. I was lucky. His bullet was so close, I felt the wind from it. I'm all of a piece. How about you two? Uh, we are all right. It's uh, Scannon. He saved my life. Never want to give that dog away, Captain. You know too who. Uh, I think I'll keep him for a while. Throw some wood on that fire so we can see. We better pack and get out of here as fast as we can ride. southeast along the river toward the Missouri. We stayed in our saddles all night until we were forced to rest the horses at three the next afternoon. Captain, you reckon we've put enough distance between us and the Blackfeet? No. I'm hoping Gas and Ordway get to the mouth of the Mariahs ahead of time. In any case, we've got to get to them before the Blackfeet. Well, uh, suppose uh, the others are not there. You told Gas to meet us August 5th. That is nine days away. We'll have to ride up the Missouri till we do meet them. I'm sorry we had to kill those two warriors. Well, it was them or us, sir. I suppose so. I keep thinking we had a chance to establish friendly relations and somehow we missed. Well, I see one thing, uh, Captain. Uh, smoking with them did some good. Except for Sidey and Calf and the one that you shot, the others did not try to kill us. And... You kept me from shooting one of them. And me. You're right. The peace pipe means something to all of us. We'd better round up those horses and get going. Mm. We covered 17 more miles that afternoon. Then we stopped for a hasty supper and rode on by night. Until 2 in the morning. We had to rest the horses again, as well as ourselves. We were awake at dawn, frankly amazed to be alive. Although so saddled sore we could hardly walk, we left, determined to make it to the Missouri, scared that at any moment hostiles might descend upon us. Oh, I'm tired. Yeah, we get there. I won't get down from the horse. I'll fall off. <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah. It wasn't an Indian musket. Too strong a charge. Yes, sir. It's a big game charge. Probably Ordway or Gas send out hunters. We'll go past that hill to the southeast. That's where the shots came from. It's a wild ride. We pounded across a wedge of land toward the unseen Missouri. Scannon ran stiff-legged and sore-footed beside my horse. We had to find those riflemen in a hurry to save them from a possible surprise attack by pursuing Blackfeet. River! River ahead! We raced out upon the riverbank. Up the Missouri, just rounding a bend, was a welcome sight. The canoe flotilla of Sergeant Ordway. Ordway! Ordway! Ordway and his laden canoes pulled in close to the shore, and the men fired off a volley of shots in their exuberance overseeing each other. Captain Lewis, good to see you, sir. While Ordway was explaining to me that Gass and his detail had ridden overland to the Mariahs and Missouri rendezvous, 
John Coulter and John Collins, whose hunting rifles we had heard, came in with meat. Captain, we can eat here since we've suddenly got plenty of meat. No, Sergeant. The sooner we reach gas, the better. The Blackfeet are on the warpath, and he must be warned. You had trouble with them, sir? A couple of nights back, they tried to steal our horses and our rifles. Had to kill two of them, a chief and a warrior, before we could get clear. By now, the whole Blackfoot nation could be after us. Well, we'd better ride close to the river the rest of the way, sir. It's too slow. There's room for us all in the boat. Joe, throw the saddles in the river. Robe, run off those horses. But, sir, that's throwing away money. All the downriver Indians want horses. What good is money to any of us? The Blackfeet catches. All right, men, everybody in the boats. We headed downriver and met Sergeant Gass and his men. We stayed there only long enough to eat and to open and recover spare equipment and ammunition. Additional boats hidden nearby were seaworthy, with the single exception of the big red pirogue. Then we turned Gass's horses loose, piled into the boats, and headed downriver at top speed, seven miles per hour. Almost didn't make it, huh, George? I would not have, except for Scano. Yeah, we sure did right after it was over. 120 miles in 24 hours. Try that sometime, Sergeant. Uh, oh, thank you. I'll stick to boats. <laughs> then tell your steersman to slow down. We're losing Ordway. Easy, Cruzat. Half speed. Captain, there's a big river ahead. Yellowstone, I think. Move in closer to shore, south bank. Yes, sir. I don't see any sign of Captain Clark. Not anywhere. Cruzat, lay into shore. I stepped out on the bank and was assailed by a swarm of mosquitoes. I found a piece of torn paper and a broken knot stick. Evidently, there had been a note destroyed by persons unknown. Captain, looks to me like Captain Clark was here. The mosquitoes are terrible. Maybe Captain Clark went south to get rid of them. I got him. Guess nobody could stay here without being eaten alive. We'll move on. Slowly. Keep a sharp eye out for them. Yes, sir. By August 11th, we had still failed to make contact with Billy Clark. We were running out of meat because we had allotted very little time to hunting. Since our chances of being overtaken by the Blackfeet were now remote, I ordered the boats into shore and camp made. Needing exercise, I selected myself to provide meat. With Cruzat as my partner, I plunged into the thick woods along the river looking for game. Suddenly, we came upon two elk. I had killed mine, but Cruzat's only wounded went crashing through the brush. We set out after it in among trees well shadowed by late afternoon. Somehow, I had outdistanced Cruzat and looked about for him. Cruzat! Cruzat! There was nothing but silence. I moved ahead, looking for him. Cruzette! I'm shot! Help! The bullet had slammed into the fleshy part of my thigh and passed clear through. I felt the blood running warmly down my leg and into my moccasins. I staggered back toward the river. I called out repeatedly for Cruzette, but got no answer. Blackfeet, I thought. I had to make it back and warn the others. Here he is, Ordway. Come here. Give me a hand. 
It must be Blackfeet, George. Send the men out to find Crusade. Yes, sir. After we get you safe. They carried me back to the boat, the white pirogue. As gas applied a dressing to the wound, pain surged up suddenly, and everything went black. been listening to Horizons West, the continued story of the Lewis and Clark expedition. Chapter 12, Lewis and the Blackfeet, starred Harry Bartell as Meriwether Lewis. Featured in the cast were Carl Swenson, Bill Quinn, Eddie Firestone, Dan Barton, John Stevenson, Howard Culver, Dal McKinnon, and Jane Avello. Our story was written by Carl A. and William Tunberg and directed by William Lally. Sound patterns by Gene Twombly. Michael Rye speaking. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. I hope you enjoyed this episode of otrwesterns.com. Send me an email, podcast at otrwesterns.com. Call, leave me a voicemail, 707-986-8739. Check us out on Twitter, at otrwesterns, and don't forget to rate us on iTunes, otrwesterns.com slash iTunes. This podcast is a proud member of the OT Netcast Network. For more information and a list of all of our shows, go to otnetcast.com. Again, it's otnetcast.com. This episode is copyright 2011 under the attribution non-commercial share-alike copyright. For more information, go to otrwesterns.com slash copyright. Thanks for listening and have a great day.